So the day after I'd got the message from lunch, I started planning my return trip to Peru. I emailed Don Howard at the Spirit Quest Sanctuary and he replied back <laughs> almost straight away, which for me uh, was synchronicity. The next ayahuasca ceremonies were in June, which was, was about two and a half months away. So I started planning that trip. But the more I looked into it, the more it just didn't feel right. Um, the vibe just wasn't right. And there was a, a Wachuma retreat less than two weeks away. And the more I read about people's experiences with uh, and the resulting changes from Wachuma, the more I was drawn to it. Um, so in less than a day, I was booked up and I had cover arranged for my classes. It turned out, again, for me it was a sign of synchronicity. The day Lanch was flying to the UK from North America, I was flying from the UK to South America. Upon my arrival at Spirit Quest Sanctuary, I found it amusing to discover I was staying in the same room as my previous trip, only this time I was in the room by myself. After we got settled into the rooms, there was a couple of us having a conversation with Don Howard. And during the conversation he mentioned self-esteem and how having it or not having it can affect other areas of our life, which I found interesting because it was something that Rob and I had spoke about uh, a couple of weeks prior. Later that first day, we had a group meeting with Don Howard where he laid out the protocol for the retreat. And one thing he spoke about was reciprocity. So offering something in return for what you want. With ayahuasca, it was about setting an intention, but this one was about giving something back. And the sentence he used was creating a mission statement for your life. And I'd given this some thought at a business meeting I'd been to earlier in the year. And the statement I came out with was through the medium of martial arts to help people become better versions of themselves. Which felt right at the time. Um, but I've now realised that's a bit... Uh, not preacherish, I don't know if that's the right term, but it wasn't exactly what I meant. Um, the way I explained it wasn't really what I, what I was trying to do. Um, I've kind of simplified it now and it's just, I just want to make a difference. I think it was Gandhi that said, be the change you want to see in the world. And I realised that might sound grandiose um, but we can only change our part of the world and what I was asking 
in return from Wachuma, <laughs> I've wrote in my journal, I am asking Wachuma to help me show the love, which was something that's been lacking through my life up to that point, which again all comes back to to be off service, you have to be in service, which is the lesson, or one of the lessons I got uh, from ayahuasca. I think it's worth mentioning at this point that since my tumor experiences, I've realized love is a spectrum. And when I, I asked Wachuma to help me show the love, I wasn't using love in the context or in the meaning where I'll do anything to make someone else feel good as that's not my job. Um, happiness comes from within. That's not the type of love that I meant. It's worth defining at this stage what Wachuma actually is. And I'm going to read some snippets from the reset.me website as well as the, the Spirit Quest website which is biopark.org. Wachuma is a cactus that grows in a tall columnar fashion native to the Andean mountain range of South America. It is also known as San Pedro which is Spanish for St. Peter because it is said to be the key that opens the gates of heaven. Wachuma is the grandfather spirit counterpart to Mother Ayahuasca, forming a yin-yang where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It is a magnificent teacher plant with certain healing and instructional qualities that exceed even those of Ayahuasca. Many consider the ancient Masada ritual celebration of consciousness and one's relationship with nature and cosmos to be among the most profound spiritual practices in the history of mankind. Wachuma contains mescaline, which is a phenethylamine and it's chemically related to MDMA, which is also known as ecstasy, whilst LSD, DMT, which is the main compound in, in ayahuasca and psilocybin, which is the main compound in, well, magic mushrooms, are in the tryptamine family. So mescaline is unique among the major hallucinogens in that it is a phenethylamine. Whilst DMT and psilocybin are powerful hallucinogens, they are not as powerful empathogens or drugs that make you feel empathy as mescaline and mescaline whether San Pedro or its relative peyote can be great for people with PTSD, deep guilt or other personal issues that require a gentler and more loving compound uh, than DMT, LSD or psilocybin. Don Howard talks a lot about and tries to follow the example of the, the Chavine, which was the first developed Peruvian civilization and they lived in the Cordilla Blanca in central Peru, which is the world's highest tropical mountain range. 
and it was the first developed Peruvian civilization. And Wachuma played a central role in their culture, which lasted from roughly 1500 to 200 BC. And it's reported the hallucinogen Wachuma may have been what actually inspired the complex civilization to develop in the first place. At the heart of the, the entire society's religious and political organization was an elaborate Wachuma ritual which was performed at the main temple of Shavin de Huanta. Uh, and it's reported this is the, the real Temple of Doom inspiration. Yeah, the one from, uh, from Indiana Jones. Where the priests would give the people tons of wachuma and send them through underground labyrinths. And the priests would blow shell horns and whisper creepy or spiritual stuff while the person walks through the labyrinth in the pitch black obviously in the film the temple of doom it's been the ritual's been hollywoodized the the actual intent was not evil and it's like the ancient greek eleusinian mysteries initiation rites which some scholars say also involved psychedelic substances. This Shavin ritual was designed to open up the common inhabitant to a sacred worldview that served to hold t society together. It's worth noting that the Shavin culture has no evidence of a military organization and it lived in peace for over a thousand years. The Wachuma ceremony takes place in a different maloka or ceremonial hut to the ayahuasca ceremonies and it's taken early afternoon and drunk as a tea but it's, it's much sweeter than ayahuasca. In the maloka is an altar or masada and it's some tables in the shape of a cross on which are draped some coloured cloths made by the local tribes and on top of these cloths are placed a, a lot of ancient relics there's a lot of human skulls, animal skulls human and animal bones crystals, rocks, candles and items previous drinkers have placed and these items are said to have an energy uh, which I have to agree with uh, it sounds crazy, but I really felt that uh, the Masada had a <laughs> had a vibe to it. And above these tables are two tapestries, again made by the local tribes. And they sit at the end of the long section of the table. So as you're looking down it, there's two tables lengthways. Halfway down, there's two tables going, going widthways. So at the, the top of the cross, as such, there's a tapestry that rises up, and it's an effigy of a man holding onto a cactus in each hand. And above this, uh, it looks like he's got a hat on with seven different layers, and each layer is a different colour. And to me, it looked like 
the dude was holding onto the cactus, which were actually rockets that blasted the man up into the different ascensions, or what I later thought might be chakra levels, if you believe in that sort of thing. And above this tapestry is another one, which is the ayahuasca tapestry. It's got a jaguar's face, which is surrounded by a snake. And the, the whole the whole image is quite intense during the day. But in the dark, when the candles are lit, it's it's on a whole different level of intensity. And we were taken to this Masada during the day before we were we were due to drink Wachuma. And we were asked to find a place on the tables which we were drawn to. And I was drawn to the right hand side of the tables where there was a lot of a lot of bones, a lot of human skulls. And we had to stand with our I think it was our thumbs placed on the corner of the tables and closed our eyes. And it was all about bringing ourselves into the moment, just to set our intentions, almost making a deal with the, the spirit of Wachuma. And Don Howard described it as grounding ourselves. Before we do the drink, we sit on some rocking chairs in a, in a semicircle facing the Masada, it's taken during the day and we can we can watch each other step up to drink. Before we drink, we each stand taking our turns at the, at the front of the cross as such and we ground ourselves, set our intentions uh, Again, make the deal with the spirit of Wachuma and then we drink. If I remember correctly, it takes maybe 20 to 40 minutes to kick in. Um, and after we've drunk, we have a, a boat ride to visit a tribe. And it was a different tribe after each, each ceremony. So we have the, the experience out in the jungle um, and upon our return, there's a there's a closing ceremony where we go back into the Maloka and the the Masada is lit up with the candles, um, and again we just stand in our in the spot that we were drawn to, and again just ground ourselves. I'm just going to read from my journal after the first Wachuma ceremony. Wow, that was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life so far. Watching the ants go about their business of collecting food, each playing their own part, all for the good of the community, for the greater good. Then watching the butterfly steadily pick them out of the line one at a time, using them for nourishment, not out of spite nor malice, as a necessity for its own survival, for the greater good of the survival of its species. Everything plays its part. 
When I first saw the chicken, I felt sorry for it. With most of its feathers missing, two stubs for wings, it looked a sorry sight. Later in the day, whilst alone in the forest, I saw the chicken again, mooching the trail, looking for food. This time, I had great admiration for the chicken. It looked like it had had so many opportunities to lay down and die, to give up its life. But each time it stood up, dusted down what was left and cracked on, doing what a chicken does. I'll put this journal entry into context now. After we'd drunk the Wachuma, we had a boat ride down the Amazon to visit a tribe. And Don Howard had suggested we listen to some music during this trip. My chosen playlist was Bob Marley. And whilst walking the, the narrow mud trail, I noticed a line of ants crossing from one side of it to the other. So I knelt down to watch them. And I've always been amazed by the the process ants follow, the how each ant knew exactly where to go and what to do. They all carried bits of leaves and plants from one side of the trail to the other before disappearing in the undergrowth, taking the food to the colony. And each of these worker ants were about the length of my little fingernail and the pieces of leaf and plant that they were carrying were usually about either the same size or larger than their own body and watching guard over this process were some larger soldier ants and these soldier ants were about the length of my thumbnail and they had large mandibles the jaws extending from both sides of the head and these mandibles were roughly the same length as the body so they obviously packed quite a punch and as I'm knelt watching this what felt like a magical process a brightly coloured butterfly flew down onto a piece of grass just in front of me and again I was taken by its beauty and the grace of this vividly coloured butterfly it appeared so gentle I then watched it flutter down to the trail and proceed to pluck an ant from the line and eat it and it did this again and again and again but there was no malice or ill will in the butterfly's intentions nor was there any panic from the ants who despite seeing the fellow ants being eaten right in front of them just carried on with their job of carrying food from one side of the trail back to the colony and the butterfly was just being a butterfly it was just using the ants as sustenance so it could continue to do what it does and the ants were just being ants and doing what ants do so the trek through the jungle continued we went and met some tribes people and we, we basically just hung about their village and there was a group of chickens that were roaming about just scratching at the floor looking for food but there was one chicken in particular that, that stuck out 
it was roaming about by itself. It was pretty much bald. It had no feathers, no wings. Uh, there was just two little stumps uh, and a lot of crinkled skin. It had one eye. There was scars all over its skin, all over its body. It was messed up, you know. This chicken's had a fucking rough life. And I'm sat looking at it and it's just going on the trail, scratching, looking for food. And initially I felt immense pity for the chicken. But then as I said in the journal, later I came to admire the chicken purely because, again, it didn't take it personally. It wasn't feeling sorry for itself. That it had such a hard life. It looked like it had plenty of chances to die but it just picked itself up and cracked on just doing what a chicken does. So that ends my account of my first Petuma experience. The next chapter of the card will be about the, the next experience which was a, a day later. Thank you for listening.